I studied for decades to be a cutter. I used to cut on the row. The row? Savile Row. Where's that, North Addison? It's in London, a quarter of a mile in which the greatest craftsmen in the world all ply their trade. I apprenticed there for years before they allowed me to open my own shop. Why'd you come here then? The war. What, crafts by me place? Worse. They're called blue jeans. <laughs> After the war, things were quite poor in England. Not a lot of men could afford well-made things. So these blue jeans became all the rage. Well, times change, pal. Blue jeans are the fashion now. This James Dean of yours makes one picture. Blue jeans are the fashion. Soon he'll make another. Something else will become popular. These fashionable things, they don't last. The things I make, like that suit of yours, mm. is timeless. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike, and we continue to talk about some of the films from 2022. This one flew so far under my radar, I didn't know what the hell you were talking about when you mentioned it, but we're talking The Outfit. This is an old-school thriller, and, and I'm so upset. After my first viewing, you know, you always uh, go online and you hop onto IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes just to see what, what are other people saying about this. The consensus, the critical consensus, and then also the uh, the audience consensus that Rotten Tomato does now, because they they you know some poor sap has to read <laughs> the audience reviews and create a consensus. And the, the the term simple yet effective pops up more than once. So they they felt the need to. This is not a simple movie, okay? Just because a film doesn't have 20 plus other ones in a shared universe to lead up to a big team up one doesn't mean that it, it, this one is 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 simple okay there is a lot of great character work happening here wonderful performances an intricate plot boy i i'm gonna be gushing about this film for the next 30 minutes what about you mike I mean, this one did not fly under the radar uh, for me. I was one of the few that watched it theatrically, which, you know, admittedly, um, hat tip to uh, Regal Unlimited, which makes it fairly easy if uh, if it's got actors or someone I like, which this one had uh, Mark Rylance in it. Uh, I will admit, I don't know if I ever saw a trailer for this. I went in uh, fairly clean, other than no, knowing that it would be somehow crime-related, uh, which is is a plus for me, and also the uh, sort of period setting, the, going back to the, I guess, the pre-Tony Soprano heyday of the gangsters when it was somewhat sexy and not about a depressed man staring at ducks in a swimming pool, that sort of thing. 
But this is one of the films that I really pushed on people. And when I say people, I mean uh, my uh, poor wife uh, who sent me a text one night. She was staying with her mom. I, I think I told you this because I was you. I was pushing this movie on you as well. Uh, and she said, hey, we need something uh, good to watch. What's like a new movie you've seen that you know we can stream? And I had just the one, The Outfit. And she followed up with, uh, what else you got? <laughs> <laughs> and I was so offended. I'm like, I'm not giving you anything else. You'll take that. You'll find something on your own. Spoiler alert. Uh, they watched it and enjoyed it. I think she was not totally taken with it because she didn't understand why I was... <laughs> I was so upset, but I'm sure you've been in that situation as a pop culture enthusiast where friends and family don't understand why you're getting so emotional about something that you had really nothing to do with. And all it was, was, uh, for me, it was a nice matinee, a nice, surprisingly enjoyable matinee. Uh, and then I, I just had to, had to get people uh, to watch this one. I think though that it, you know, at least in the theatrical run, it did fail. Um, <laughs> box office of $4 million, which is as if it never, never existed. And as much of a uh, fan of it as I am, I don't think it's going to be one that like has some sort of huge, um, I can't believe we missed this type uh, fascination for people on streaming because you started out mentioning that even in the positive reviews, <laughs> they talk about the simplicity of it. It doesn't have um, an it follows kind of hook where you can say in one sentence what's sort of quirky and interesting about it. Um, it is it's old fashioned. It is uh, stagey in a very graceful uh, way. It's it's proudly uh, stagey where uh, it announces itself. You're going to uh, enjoy learning, uh, I guess, as we peel back the layers of this character and you're going to watch this actor do actor things where you're just enjoying sitting in, in your row in the theater, just watching Mark Rylance, just uh, have fun as much fun as I guess someone of his station can. He's not Jim Carrey for God's sake. Uh, but <laughs> I just enjoyed it very much in the way of uh, if I can shout out to at least a film that cinephiles uh, would recognize uh, something like rope where it's very knowingly kind of showy, and fun and we're going to do a mystery, but we're going to eventually put all of our cards on the table. Something that you and I very much liked in knives out. That would be one that at least for name recognition wise, uh, your mom and dad probably will have seen knives out, but they should watch the outfit. I don't know where it is right now. Prime peacock It's streaming somewhere, but it God. is on prime and it, yeah, you were at your episode. It is stagey. It's definitely like that bottle episode. If you want to liken it to like a television show, this is something that would work brilliantly on the stage. You know, you could see it on Broadway. It would work uh, really, really amazingly. Speaking of Mark Rylance, the concept of the movie star came up recently at the end of this year. And Quentin Tarantino, uh, he, you know, anytime he has to do some kind of a, you know, press tour for something that he's hawking his, his uh, new book. Which is sitting on my bookshelf. <laughs> Have you read it yet? You've read some of it, right? You're a big fan. Yes. Well, the way the book is structured is he's going through films from the 70s. And so I'm watching the film and then setting aside a chapter. Because each chapter pretty much equates to uh, one of the movies. So that's how I'm approaching it. I'm not just reading it right uh, outright. Although, in fairness to our longtime listeners, much like the... Audible experience for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you returned 
the the audible book because you were not pleased uh, with the direction it took, which in this case was just the fact that Mr. Tarantino and a bait and switch kind of move just does what the first and last chapters. Yes. He narrates the first chapter, which is great because he is talking about his childhood. Now he was being uh, uh, introduced to all these movies at a very young age and it's great. And I was like, I was, you know, buckling up. And I, I didn't see that there's two narrators, but I didn't realize that the division of labor was going to be so lopsided. And so I was like, no, thank you. So I was like, I'll just go and, and uh, read the book myself. You know, I don't think that uh, QT can stick to his own script. I think he would get in there and start reading it, <laughs> and then he would go on tangents. And it would that would be kind of cool, though, if the audiobook was its own sort of experience. If they say, hey, you're getting so much more because he just went off the cuff with extra details. I, I just don't think he's going to rein himself in uh, for, for Audible, but that's fine. But you were saying um, how he's on, on the press tour for this. He's basically taking shots at... Uh, the Marvel actors, uh, rightly so, I might add, because they can't open shit. Like, <laughs> I see a lot of comments <laughs> online, people saying, of course they're movie stars. And I'm thinking, uh, of what? What What have you seen uh, Chris Evans do? What, what does he open to $40 million, not in spandex? I'd like to introduce uh, into evidence the box office numbers for a film called Dr. Doolittle, which came out shortly after the movie star... Robert Downey Jr. I had to rack my brain. I'm like, wait, which which Avenger was Doctor Doolittle? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, Downey did that. Yeah, yeah. And it's arguable that oh, he was a big star before Iron Man. Was he? Was no. Ali McBeal like this big? Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly. So, I, I I do tend to side with Quentin Tarantino here, where uh, they. Are, they're not movie stars. Maybe they're movie stars, but maybe they're the 2022 version of what a movie star is, not the movie star of like a 1990. No one's going to say, let's go see the new Chris Evans film. But I have heard, hey, let's go see the new Bruce Willis movie. You know, like I, I've seen that. I've never seen uh, people go into something because... Chris Evans, or even Robert Downey Jr., even him. Like, how many people are stands for the soloist? You know, come on. That, that movie didn't make any money. Anyhow. The judge, <laughs> the judge with Duvall. <laughs> a little father-son melodrama. Why isn't Mark Rylance a movie star? He's my movie mm. star, okay? Mm. Like, he just got started uh, in, in movies very late. From what I understand, he is a, like a theater actor. So I was, like, looking at his filmography... And I was like, have I missed Mark Rylance? I've only seen a couple of movies. But he really only has Bridge of Spies, which he was awesome in. Which I rewatched last night, by the way, just in preparation for this recording. I was just I was just in the mood. I just wanted more more Rylance in my veins, so Yes. I I, I was thinking about that too after my second viewing here of, of the outfit. I was like, man, I need to go rewatch Bridge of Spies. Uh, Trial of the Chicago Seven. He was quite good in that. It is an ensemble piece, but he's still good. Even Ready Player One. I loved seeing him in Ready Player One. That's a movie that I I enjoy. You and I are very much on the same page because I paused the first and probably only rewatch I'll do of Ready Player One to do this recording. That's what I was doing. My dog was under the cover snoring. Uh, Yeah, I'm just, you know, clearly this episode, as much as we're sort of showing off our favorites from 2022, (laughs) this one is truly probably just for these two people on this call who will be the only ones downloading it. Just, just yeah. a, a love letter to Mark Rollins. 
I mean, but you know what? Like everybody kind of comes out for this one. You and I, I know I, I'm kind of a stand for uh, Dylan O'Brien, and I, and that's the one thing I they told you when, I, when you told me about this. He he, I loved him in the Maze Runner movies. The Maze Runner, the first one, really caught me off guard. It real, I was like, whoa, this is actually pretty good because the YA craze was in full effect, and I think everyone was getting kind of tired. I didn't like the second one, but thought the third one was pretty good. Did they wrap those up? Or was it like Divergent, where it just never... No. Never got no, it's complete. <laughs> it's complete. And it didn't stretch that last one into two parts or something weird. So it does have a complete story, and it's pretty good. He is also in Love and Monsters, a film that I champion as much as I can because the pandemic happened, and I feel bad this, this is a film that would have uh, done well in the box office. It was a $30 million picture. I think it would have easily made its money back. And you know, it's, there's a, it's fun. A trilogy or a month for us are the sort of like lost relics of 2020 uh, in, in film. Ah, because, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm going through my letterbox account and looking, you know, I, I try to group things in years. I make not very interesting lists. Uh, like some people uh, actually the interesting list that you and I do, it's this fucking podcast. That's every yeah. month we do our own list. Uh, but if you check out my account at Projecting Film, it primarily is films from 1974, films from 1993. And 2020 is an odd, odd duck uh, as far as the stuff that I watched. And even looking back, I'm like, was that a 2020 like movie? Like, what was a 2020 movie? This, you know, I guess uh, a Hulu premiere. So. I will have to repay the courtesy to you and actually check that one out. But anytime someone brings up a 2020 movie, it's it's like it didn't happen or it's relegated to 2019 or 2021. Now, I will say that Love and Monsters probably won't rock your world, but I think it's a good time at the movies, which which ultimately that's what the outfit is as well. And everybody is bringing it. Uh, even uh, Alexander Desplat, who does the score, I, I love his music. And so... Uh, it's such a wonder. This film, you know what this film is? This film was timeless. Okay, it's not a, a pair of blue jeans. That's that's a fad. That's gonna uh, overtake. Go. You know, a, a nice humor suit. for you. <laughs> for the kids out there <laughs> listening. This... <laughs> this ain't Clerks Three, where it's a bunch of crypto jokes that run throughout the course of the mm. film. This is a film that's gonna play well today. It's would have played well ten years ago, twenty years ago. It'll play well in fifty years. I think that uh, this is a film that anybody can come back to. So Gus Van Sant's not going to have to come and do a remake of The Outfit and change some of the dialogue, uh, which <laughs> it does help when you're looking back uh, you know, to the past. You, you know what, what made it. Um, here's, here's my little – I'll admit um, that I have a, a certain bias, um, favorable bias towards films where you're – going to take me on the path of a man or woman doing a job that I have no interest in. I know that sounds weird to say I'm interested in movies about people doing things that I'm not interested in, but it is interesting. Like it's just these little details. It's this little bit of world building and not in a Marvel way, like your world building with an actual talent or skill or craft. Um, and why I must, you know, I myself am not going to take up the art of cutting as, uh, you know, Mr. Rollins as Leonard here corrects many a character that he's not a tailor. He's a cutter. Uh, I enjoy just being sort of swept away into this very small, small world. Um, I think it, it helps. Uh, I mean, there's obvious, well, not so obvious cause it's slightly a twist. So getting a little spoilery, if you've not jumped onto prime to check this out yet, which you very well should, 
there's a narrative reason why he, why he is explaining things to you in a voiceover. But it's it's so gracefully done as far as I don't think many people know kind of what you pointed out as far as the style, how blue jeans took over. It would be weird. If you're wearing a suit and a hat now and walking around, I'm probably worried that you're some sort of internet culture warrior that's about to participate in like a mass shooting or something like it, it puts me off a little bit. Like it's a type now, uh, as opposed to just being, this is what people wore. Uh, in this film, like even the most vile human beings, and there are a couple of them that you're going to meet, including maybe even the maze runner. Uh, he has different levels. And as we see, there, there are other people that are worse than him, but even those people, want to have a certain air about them as far as a proper way to dress. Even if their business is killing other human beings, they're going to look good doing it. They're going to look like gentlemen. I think even one of the characters, when called a gentleman, sort of raises his eyebrow like, are we? Are we gentlemen? Well, I, guess, I guess so. We have the threads for it. Um, I enjoy this more so than the attempts at sort of the uh, you know modern gangster films. Like uh, I think the gentleman is the name of the guy Ritchie movie with Matthew McConaughey. Uh, those are a little too knowing and wink, wink for me. And I think part of it is having Mark Rylance as your lead here as a yeah. like true actor and character actor. He just slides in to the role and the world and it makes it feel authentic as opposed to the guy Ritchie stuff where I think it's, because of the time period, it's obvious that it's like a child putting on his dad's clothes and playing at like being gangster or tough guy. This one here, um, the closest you would get to that is maybe Zoe Deutsch, who is the one that is possibly playing a game that's maybe above her, above her head. Uh, but I like that they don't necessarily, the direction they take that character is not one note and it's not the damsel in distress and it's not the, the the person that you know shouldn't be playing these games. In fact, when the jig is up, <laughs> boy does she pull her seat up to the table and say, "No, I fucking belong here." I I enjoyed that aspect of it because I think there the one trapping of this is maybe having the Leonard character be a little bit too fatherly uh, with with someone else with his assistant, and uh, I enjoyed that that greatly because you know I'm a huge everybody wants some fan. As well as Set It Up, which I believe is another film I've tried to push on you, and I don't think you've ever watched. Webb? All in due time. <laughs> All in due time. You, you'll be, you know, clearly vindicated. As I feel like you always are, eventually. I I do appreciate uh, the, the little world and world building that you mentioned. Because the opening of the film is so, so brilliant. And you're right, it does come back as to why this narration is is happening. Uh, there's so much beauty and, and, and craftsmanship in the seemingly like banal tasks that I think that either we're unaware of or that we take uh, for granted. The opening of the movie is, is a testament. Such good, it, it's such good storytelling. And, and it hooks the viewer right away. I don't know anything about... Sewing, tailoring, cutting, I don't know any of that. But the way the character introduces it and how, how carefully, how meticulously he's working on his tasks, it, it hooks you immediately. And I love that he has a certain sense of pride throughout the film. I'm not a tailor, 
I'm a cutter. It takes me right back to I'm not a fucking tracer. It takes me right back to films like that. I love it. Like somebody who's not a comic book fan can watch Chasing Amy and appreciate comic books. And and I love it when films do that. And I love the fact that the outfit does exactly the same thing. A lot of a lot of great character work here. I almost feel like it's like it's just enough character work because you do have a lot of interesting and tension filled scenes with with uh, the, with English here, Mark Rylance, because uh, he has scenes with pretty much every major character, like one on one, that furthers the plot and also builds character. Uh, uh, Francis and Richie, I kind of like their dynamic. They have a very good like Daniel Craig and Tom Hanks in the Perdition. A little bit of that. Uh, bringing bringing back to hey this is still a gangster picture more of this more gangster pictures like this and then maybe this is blasphemy to say less I'm done with the Irishman and stuff like that this is the kind of gangster film that kind of yeah Scorsese <laughs> you're done now there we go we got the Marvel fans back on our side <laughs> you have been out auteured by Mr. Graham Moore. Who, uh, who is this, is this first, guy? Is this his first directing job? I know. I think he's responsible for the imitation game as far as the screenplay. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not aware of him as far as the director. It is his directorial debut. So that's exciting. So, I hey, if, I, I know this one didn't break the bank or anything, but I'm down, Mr. Moore. Like, you, whatever you come out with, I, I want to see. I, I like the way the film looks. It's got a very, very warm uh, color palette. Very inviting. Really, really uh, uh, easy on the eyes the whole time. It lures you in so meticulously. I don't, like, I think some people might confuse this with slow pace and it's not it's not a slow movie at all it's it's a very like people take the the concept of like oh it's it's methodical and it builds for for slow i don't think that's it at all i i i was with it the entire time and i will say there's one aspect of the film i don't like I don't want to say I don't like. I guess maybe it's something I don't prefer. I I like the ending monologue where he mentions the fact that perfection is something that we strive for, but it ultimately can't be achieved. And I think we've been kind of inundated with certain films that are like, oh, here's this everyday uh, Joe Schmo, and then and but guess what? He's a badass, and you know, like the nobody. Uh, John Wick did it a little bit. Mm, John Wick yeah. kind of gets away with it because they kind of went into a completely different direction and really opened up the the, the world of these assassins. So I, I kind of dig that a little bit. But yeah, so we, we were getting a lot of this, and I didn't want to see a bunch of tattoos and, and Mark Rylands showing that. <laughs> I love the direction this has gone. I don't like my <laughs> tatted Rylance. <laughs> I, I didn't mind. You're too scuffed up I, for you, huh? It was it was it was funny to me that he's talking about how you can't always achieve perfection, and I'm like, this film was perfect, and then right then I'm like, eh, I guess it's not quite perfect, but mm. that's okay. Maybe does that make it more that, perfect thematically? That it... <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> it I was thinking about that. <laughs> I was thinking about but like it introduces a flaw on purpose, like <laughs> we stumbled on purpose. I don't know. I don't want to play those mind games with with uh, with Mr. Moore here, but. That's pretty much it. Like, and I'm really stretching to find something that I don't like about this. I was like, I could probably could have done without it, but by no means. Actually, you know what? If if they had killed him at the end of this movie, then I think I would have been upset. But I'm glad they didn't. 
So I guess I am glad that he kind of got his uh, badass moment. And, and and of course, used the shears for violence. Yeah, oh, man, that was hard. Don't touch his tools now. You can you know, touch all the clothing you want. Uh, you can uh, play with the snow globes <laughs> in the, the front <laughs> office. Go ahead. It's fine. I, I get what you're saying uh, because I... I I feel like the sort of bookwormy nature of it, um, it makes me think of, uh, did you ever see The Edge? Oh, the reason I think is because that was the original title of it with Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin's David Mamet uh, script. Um, and Anthony Hopkins is like a, a rich fuddy-duddy who has not had, I guess, much in the way of real-life uh, adventure. And then, uh, it's not a spoiler say there's a plane crash and they're out in the woods. So how do you survive? And all he has is his what he's read, basically. How do you, how do you apply just reading as opposed to having that experience? Like, can it translate? I think I'm <laughs> I'm comfortable. Um, and God, coming out of uh, you know the COVID years, I'm comfortable with someone just being an expert in one thing. Um, I'm not as comfortable with someone demanding to be an expert in many things. Like I, I like the specialists. I, I like for someone to specialize in something, and then I'll trust you in this. So I get what you're saying as far as man, this guy can create a, a killer suit, a killer outfit for you. Uh, does he also have to be good with the, a knife as well? <laughs> like in the in a sort of tactical nature. Um, I don't know. I'll I'll forgive the film um, that one flaw if you don't call it that. Only because uh, the person that he's going John Wick on here uh, was shot <laughs> multiple times, so he's you know it's not an even one to one fight. Um, to go back to the possible criticism of these uh, horrible fools uh, who don't listen to us, but yet uh, I'm going to berate them anyway, who may be turned off by the slow pace. One thing I love about it, uh, as I've been trying to achieve my book reading goal, goal for uh, 2022, is that is the quickest way to get me out of a book. Um, the unnecessary details of how something looks, uh, be it, I mean, it could be a character. Especially a room, a uh, car, house. I don't give a shit. I don't know if you feel this way when you're reading. Like, usually I just have like an actor in mind, or if I get a vibe or something, I can quickly paint my little picture. And if you just start just weighing it down with your bullshit on what the desk in the room is like, unless that's a plot point, unless it's you know essential, I don't care. And I I thought, man, the trap they avoided here was I don't want to leave. This man's place of work. If all the conversations are taking place here, I don't need to go grab coffee with Mabel and her boyfriend Richie. I don't need you to open up the world. Don't don't actually do that. Go you know close it in, close it off. Uh, I, I I feel like keeping it sparse that way. I mean, this film's not even two hours. Uh, let's just keep it moving. It's just mainly about uh, this this guy. And the world that he's built for himself, and you find out later what he's sort of escaped from, he has no interest in anything else in Chicago. He even says, like, basically he just came here because he ran away from the blue jeans. And there are people here that will buy his clothes. Gangsters, primarily, that want to look cool. He, he finally found his demo. So I, I love that about it. And I think in my theater-going experience, I sort of, for the first half hour, <laughs> was strangely living in fear that we were going to get a restaurant scene or something. I'm like, oh, no. And they never did. They never did. It's a strange thing to fear, but, you know, I have my own hang-ups. 
No, I, I completely agree with you. I would have been. Will there be a set piece in this movie? Oh God. No, (laughs) no, no. I love it because he is our character. Uh, Mark Rollins is English. You said Leonard, but uh, yeah, I, I, because he's called English by, by, uh, Richie early on in the film. I'm like, oh, English. <laughs> so he became English to you me. You prefer the, uh, Maze Runner's derogatory terms. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't need to know your name. <laughs> You're English. That's good enough. Which really just sounds like me when I'm reading a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't need his name. I just call him English. Whatever. <laughs> he is such an expert here be- and he creates the home field advantage. You know, uh, in order to win this game, he uses his mind, his words, even the the little actions. Like what ultimately gets Richie killed is he backs into like a a wall or a pole and makes a noise that startles them and gets the, you know, gunfight uh, started. Like he does that. It's so deliberate. And you don't notice it until the second viewing. Think how much better Reservoir Dogs would be if... And that uh, Mexican standoff, if Mr. Pink had just pratfalled into something and caused all of them to, <laughs> <laughs> to <shoot> each other. <laughs> like, it's, it's, yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. Like, I had this film been in any other location, it would have lost something. And, and it, it worked. It's just, it's a, god damn, it, it might be, it might be near perfect. Like, the more I'm talking about, it, the more I'm like, you know what? It's okay. It's okay that he busts out the shears and, and takes care of it. And it's not even like a long, drawn-out, useless action sequence. It's quick because he knows exactly what it – granted, the guy had – you're right. He's been shot a couple times. But he knows exactly what to do. Minimal effort, maximum efficiency. And and, and even like uh, for, for me, just like a little uh, – um, the cherry on top was the wonderful sequence with uh, La Fontaine, the other gangster organization that is rivaling – um, uh, Richie and, and his fathers, uh, uh, where he signals to them, he pantomimes the danger that's in the closet. So wonderful. And she gets to, even she gets to have her little moment, the, the immigrants, we get the job done <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, against, uh, this horrible Francis. So yeah, man, the, I, you, I, I will give you mad props you absolutely found this film and 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 you are spreading the gospel and i'm gonna do the same and i'm gonna do the same my wife will still not listen to this podcast (laughs) (laughs) oh well well, i I guess what's gonna happen is anytime i watch it or anytime you watch it just text me and then we'll be like we'll just high five each other (laughs) for a little while (laughs) and that'll make our day I mean, we've talked uh, on one conversation we had about the the death of Twitter, and I've I've seen alternatives come up, and it's like you know, is Tumblr going to come back? Um, which I even what was the heyday of Tumblr? Two thousand ten, eleven, somewhere. Yeah. Like, even then, I felt like I'm too old for this. I don't understand. Are they just talking in gifs that they've in? Like it's like Brady Bunch style gifs. Like it's just. You might as well have just put the clip up there. They have so many gifs that you just right. watch the whole entire scene. <laughs> but I, I get the feeling that our iMessage would just look like a fan blog for the outfit with us just exchanging <laughs> <laughs> screen captures. <laughs> I like this scene the best. No, I like this scene the best. <laughs> I I think I'm going to have to make my own gifs because there's no way there are a bunch of outfit gifs. <laughs> I may I have to look. custom make them. I don't know if Trilogy in Theory, I don't know if I, because I usually, when I start a new project, take I take the handles everywhere. Even for a place like, I remember Dave telling me he discovered War Machine versus War Wars through Tumblr, not through Twitter. 
And I was like, I had, I was like, I had a Tumblr, like, I did, like somewhere I just went there and signed <laughs> up for it. Um, I'm going to check and see about Trilogy in Theory. And I'm just going to start posting just the outfit gifs and just see, <laughs> see if we get anybody. This is our Pacific Heights. 